Want to be a part of the conversation? Then let us know on the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's news talk, TNT Radio. This is the No Fly Zone with Greg Mayberry on today's news talk, TNT Radio. Hello, friends and listeners. Welcome back once again to the No Fly Zone. I'm your host, Greg Mayberry. Um, Thanks for joining us. Uh, One of the things that we um, uh, often get uh, is people asking, you know, how can we help? What can we do to... uh, to you know, get the message out there. Uh, one of the ways that I can recommend that people do is to go on to the Light Australia. That's thelightaustralia.com.au. The Light Australia is a, uh, a local Western Australian initiative that we're uh, attempting to try and get uh, greater national distribution. Go onto the website, uh, sign up to become a distributor in your area, or just simply circulate. Uh, the publication uh, via your usual online networks. So The Light Australia, uh, check it out. There's some wonderful articles there in the latest edition, which came out last week, and uh, circulate it as much as you can. And I guess that's another thing that um, I'm keen to emphasise people is that if you see something or you read something or you hear something, whether it's a podcast, an article or an interview or something like that, uh, don't just keep it to yourself, you know, put it out there, uh, put it in front of people, uh, friends, relatives, uh, you know, workmates, that sort of thing. Uh, there's no point in keeping it to yourself. You know, we really need to get our messages out there as widely as possible and don't be shy about it. And that includes, of course, all of the TNT uh, radio programs, which are available on your usual podcast platforms. So again, keep that in mind. I also do my report, which appears on my Substack page, uh, usually sort of in the first half of the following week. Uh, I do a report on my each of my interviews, uh, providing sort of show notes, links and uh, guest profiles and uh, various other information that is useful and relevant to the topic at hand. So all right, let's moving right along. We're now, of course, entering the fourth year of the declared pandemic and in the third year of the disastrous vaccine mandates. Uh, now, to underscore the very real prospect of the future awaiting us if we don't begin seriously to push back on what is fast becoming a tyrannical biomedical security state of global dimension, then we need to maybe keep the following in mind. Now, how many listeners out there in 2019 would have imagined we'd all be forced to submit ourselves to an experimental medical procedure, one that would turn out to be neither safe, effective or necessary? And that if we refused or even hesitated, we'd be subjecting ourselves to all manner of vilification and penalty and stress. Now, my guess is that few out there would have thought such a a response possible to what was, after all, a dubiously declared public health emergency. All this in a society where informed choice and bodily autonomy are taken for granted. Now, my personal feeling is that more and more people are beginning to question the events of the past three years, not just the vaccinations, but uh, the larger hidden agenda that's behind the Great Reset. Now, this is especially amongst those who've lost loved ones and friends to the jab or themselves have been seriously injured by a product we were coerced into taking against our better judgment in many cases. 
Now, one man who I know has taken a big interest in this uh, aspect of the Great Reset, which is the uh, adverse events, which is pharma speak for toxic side effects to their products. One man who is very keen to record for posterity those people who have had experiences of adverse events or who have friends and family and acquaintances that have also had similar reactions to uh, having the jab is our guest today, Mr. Andrew Hughes. Now, Mr. Hughes, Andrew Hughes, is a Perth-based freelance podcaster, freedom activist. He runs his own uh, podcast show called The Eight News Show, uh, and that's available on the various uh, podcast platforms. We'll talk a little bit more about that uh, later. But Mark um, runs this sometimes with retired WA physician and immunologist, Dr. Mark Lofts, where they dedicate a series of programs revealing the truth behind the COVID-19 jab injuries. Now, prior to the worker mandates in 2021, Andrew was a FIFO mining worker in WA uh, and he wasn't prepared to give valid consent. Therefore, he became unemployable overnight, like many people, of course, in the, uh, uh, in, in the workplace. He's since taken a special interest in the vaccine injured and those people who have lost relatives and friends since the rollout of this experimental treatment. And he's interviewed numerous people about their experiences and those of their loved ones. I'd like to welcome today uh, Andrew Hughes to the No Fly Zone. Andrew. Thank you, Greg. It's so good to be with you. Thanks for having yeah. me. Terrific. No, it's, it's my pleasure. I'm, I'm so glad that you just min, uh, mentioned uh, in your introduction uh, valid consent or informed consent is another way to put it. Yes. Uh, that is just such a crucial thing in our healthcare law that was completely and utterly bypassed. It's, um, the, I mean, for anyone who wants to go and look this up, it's uh, really worth doing for the, you know, to, to understand the deep valid reasons behind having such a thing as informed consent. Uh, just It's just one of the most important aspects of healthcare that we have in the entire world. And yet in this mandate period, we were asked to drop that altogether and um, you had no choice. You just had to take those shots. Exactly right. It reminds me also too, Andrew, of the do no harm ethic. Uh, yeah. Again, another thing that was jettisoned, uh, you know, that we all took for granted, but it was just all swept aside. Uh, that's and, right. And, and you're quite right in pointing that out. That's right. And it became an obligation, not, not, a, not a, um, a humanitarian right. Exactly was, right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I think people were, were frightened and cowered that, uh, to the point where they, they virtually forgot that they actually had bodily autonomy, that they, they, that they did have the right to informed consent. They were cowered by their doctors or the media or politicians. They were bullied. They were coerced, as I, mm -hmm. that was the word that I used in the introduction. And, you know, I mean, I had That's personally right. my own experience of my doctor, you know, beating me over the head three times in a row and she gave up after the third time. When are you going to get yeah. your jab? When are you going to get your jab? I'm sorry, doctor, but I'm not That's going right. to get the jab. But I mean, but so, look, uh, Greg. Most important, I beg, I beg your pardon. Uh, most importantly, no, they on. they combined that with they combined that with a threat. There was the threat of the loss of your livelihood. 
Now that's exactly. technically yeah. that's technically torture. It's emotional torture. It's uh, written very clearly in our humanitarian uh, uh, treaties, and uh, yet again, none of that mattered. It was just an yeah. obligation that you were told that you had to have, it and that was it. Exactly right. Of course, you were a victim of that yourself uh, when you absolutely. Well, I was informed. Um, I mean, when this happened, I did my own research. It's something that uh, mainstream media and uh, outlets all over the world love to tell you that, no, that's, um, that's insane. You can't do your own research. You wouldn't know. How could you do your own research? Well, I'm sorry, but uh, I'm an intelligent uh, human being. I'm not the world's most the smartest guy. I'm not a rocket scientist, but I certainly uh, reserve the right to do my own research and I just simply started getting onto university websites and looking up virologists and uh, I started finding out very, very quickly that there were ones there that were speaking out and they were being wiped off the internet systematically. Exactly. And this this interesting notion there about it hasn't got, in my view, a lot to do with intelligence. I guess, you know, the the phrase (laughs) common sense is probably a lot more uh, pertinent here. I mean, I know plenty of people who are highly, highly educated, and, of course, our medical profession is supposed to be amongst the most highly educated of all, and how many of them bought into this whole narrative. But, you know, I've got, you know, friends and family members who, you know, left school in, 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 in the third year of high school and not particularly educated uh, uh, and wouldn't consider themselves intellectual kind of people who saw through it straight away on the... By the same token, yeah. other people who got PhDs and beyond um, yeah. have completely embraced the narrative. So you, you're quite right in making that distinction. You just have to be aware of, of what's being put in front of you and ask the questions. Absolutely. And, uh, I mean, <laughs> let's just put everything else that we've just spoken about aside. Uh, there's no way you can be presented with this new phenomenon, this this COVID-19, this thing that's just been un- unleashed on the world, and develop a vaccine in under six months. It's I'm sorry. Another the, one of the, yeah. Yeah, no. A- absolutely right. Another one of the uh, incredible absurdities, another one of the uh, <laughs> extraordinary things that have been put in front of us that people yeah. have accepted but uh, shouldn't uh, shouldn't have accepted. No, I totally agree. That's um, right. And, and I mean, it was new technology. People love to say that it wasn't, but the application in this case was new. Uh, so it, to say that, um, you know, there's you, you have to trust the science, well, I did trust the science, and the science said that there were things that were potentially going to go wrong here. Well, exactly. Uh, and, um, you know, I mean, <laughs> this is the really laughable it. thing about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, I guess it would be laughable if uh, so many people had not been tragically affected by, you know, the, um, yes, by the information that was put out there. They trusted the authorities, they trusted their doctors, they trusted the media, they trusted mm. their politicians. Why they would trust the latter uh, sort of begs to be, <laughs> you know, it's a question for another well, time. But, you know, yeah, and I, that I maybe that's something we can get into, but yeah. Well, 
um, uh, whether we can arrive at an answer to that uh, mm. is, is another question, of, of course. But yeah. Andrew, I just want to backtrack here a little bit. On uh, go back to your personal uh, background and how you became involved in doing what you're doing. Can you give us a bit of a handle on that? Yes. Uh, look, again, we've just we've just mentioned it. Um, this whole thing started coming down the pipeline, and uh, I was well and truly on top of that because. I do, I have traditionally, I mean, really for the last 17 years, I've basically not watched mainstream media. I do watch it from time to time to stay on top of what's going on, what's being spoken about. But uh, I came to a conclusion that uh, the the Australian government and anything that was going on with that um, was largely irrelevant to what was ultimately going on in the world and what would ultimately dictate changes in the world. So I became very, very interested in the geopolitical aspect of politics rather than the national or local aspect. And if you were a person like me following this, uh, the, the, the names that we're all very familiar with today, like Klaus Schwab and Bill Gates and all these other characters, these utterly crooked people uh, were saying and have been saying for some time that there was going to be a pandemic and it was going to affect the whole world. And then <laughs> the funny thing is it actually happened and it's not funny. I laugh about it, but it's, uh, mm. it, it's, I, I kind of chuckle because it's, it's that crazy. And so I knew well in advance of what was going on and when it would happen, what the timing would be roughly. And uh, as I said, it came down the pipeline and I, I, I just, I knew that there was no two ways about it. There was no way I was going to take this shot. And I, I know I've mentioned to you offline um, that, you know, I have, uh, my father was a doctor yeah. And so I was very familiar with some of the terminology that was being used. Um, and I grew up around speaking about all these sort of things at the dinner table. So I just knew that there was no way that this thing was going to be safe for you. Uh, and so I, I just said uh, right from the beginning, even before they introduced the shots, I was telling my managers, uh, my, my um, I worked on a mine site, as you said, my superintendent, mm. my manager, this thing's going to happen. They're going to make you take an injection and I'm just going to tell you right up front that I won't be doing it. And then, of course, it was announced. You know, everyone had been saying to me at work that I was crazy, <laughs> I was a conspiracy yeah. theorist, all of these things. But then it happened. Uh, and then, of course, by that stage, by the time everyone had had their second jab, it was well and truly on the books that the booster was coming. Yeah. And so I, I, I went around and talked to all my workmates and I said, and this was just literally days before I was actually flown off site because I'd become too much trouble. Uh, I said to my workmates, I said, and now they're going to make you take the booster. And that at that point, uh, many of the people I spoke to were, were outraged. And, you know, there's no way they're going to do that. They said just to and everything, we can get on with it and all this sort of thing. I said, no, no, no. Once you, you've entered into this thing now, and now you're, you're going to have to follow through with it. And, of course, I was telling them that it would be uh, announced by Christmas. And here in Western Australia, it was two days before Christmas. 
And I'm not proud to say that I knew that, but I'm glad I knew that. Well, for your own sake, uh, you know, it was good that you knew that. And um, it's it's a shame that... um, Unfortunately, a lot of your workmates uh, would appear to have not taken a lot of notice of what you were saying. But uh, well, at the we've time, got to go to a quick break. Yeah, Mark, sure. We've, uh, Andrew, uh, yeah. we've got to go to a quick. Andrew, we've got to go to a quick break. Uh, we'll be back shortly, and uh, we're talking with uh, Andrew uh, Andrew Hughes, and uh, we'll be back shortly to um, uh, explore further some of the work that he's doing on his podcast. TNT Radio's David McBride and Dr. Robert Brennan. Julian is, of course, an Australian citizen, and our new Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, has made overtures to to doing more, much more than the previous government. However, we have a foreign minister, Penny Wong, and if you read the Sydney Morning Herald from three days ago, it leads with uh, Foreign Minister Penny Wong says the rule of law must be applied to Julian Assange, comma, dampening hopes that her government is about to secure the WikiLeaks founders' freedom. But David and I, and perhaps you, are, are under no illusions here that our government doesn't have the real will, and our Foreign Minister expresses a real sentiment. There were Freedom of Information inquiries that show no evidence of Albanese really doing anything much with the Biden administration. To pretend as if they have no power is completely absurd. And when Albanese was initially asked about it, he said something about, well, we can't use our loud hailer. We have to have quiet, quiet diplomacy. And that is the last thing that this case needs. This case has been going on in quiet for far too long. It's been, uh, as I said, there's a mainstream media blackout. Nobody really discusses it. The Biden administration runs away from questions. Um, it's really been happening in the dark for far too long. And so, in my opinion, this case needs all the loud hailers. It needs all the noise. McBride and Brennan with David McBride and Dr. Robert Brennan on today's News Talk Radio TNT. A better business tip from TNT Radio. News Talk Radio listeners are some of the most active and involved listeners of any format. TNT Radio listeners rely on TNT Radio often as their primary source of information. They trust TNT Radio and are highly engaged with the content. If you'd like more information about advertising on TNT Radio, simply fill out your details on our contact page and we'll be in touch. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. What the heck are you even talking about? Freedom of speech, freedom of movement, freedom of choice, freedom of assembly, freedom of health. Our freedom, the voice of freedom, is TNT Radio. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to the No Fly Zone. I'm speaking today with uh, Andrew Hughes. Andrew Hughes is uh, a podcaster based in WA. His podcast is The Eight News Show. Um, Andrew, just... uh, before we continue um, or go any further, I'd like to get a little bit more background on your podcast, The Eight News Show. Uh, you know, what were some of your goals and aims? I know particularly that you've been focusing on interviewing and recording the experiences of quite a few people who have had um, or experienced adverse events from the VAX, but uh, just give us a little bit of background after you left the mine site or you were effectively sacked from the mining company uh you then embarked on this um project to kind of make people aware of what was going on yes uh that came a little bit later uh what happened was uh, as i was saying i um I, i i knew what was going on and then it happened i got taken off the mine site um just shortly before i i actually was 
permanently not allowed back. Uh, I had gone to one of the fir- one of the big rallies here in Perth, the Worldwide Rally. Yeah, uh, obviously. Uh, yeah, and um, and this my first one, and I'm not a protester, but this uh, this was a whole new thing, a whole new level for me. I mean, it was like the government had put, drawn a line in the sand at my feet, and yeah. so I went right out and stepped up to it. Uh, and I went off to one of these rallies. It was on October the 16th was the first one in 2021 that I attended. And it blew me away um, just how many people there were that felt like me. And uh, I went straight there with the objective of, um, I mean, I've got a background in photography and uh, I thought I'm going to make some videos about this. And I had all the equipment, of course. All I didn't have uh, was a microphone. So I went and grabbed one of those and went out onto the street with one of my workmates at this rally. And we did a couple of interviews with people. I think I did about five or six. Never had done that before. And I was really, really, I've got to, it was very confronting to do it. But I felt so um, passionate about it. Yeah. And I, I just wanted to find out who who else out there felt like me and well that led from one thing to the other and i i i think we were going to talk about this but i joined a group very early in the piece um not long after that that um formed through facebook with the objective of litigating against our employers and our state government this was workers united was it yeah, it became known. It was called originally Affected Workers. Um, right. And we, we had uh, 1,800 people, a bit over 1,800 people join up very, very quickly. Uh, I actually joined around about, I think I was about the 600th person that joined. And this all happened within like two weeks. That's how much movement yeah. was on the street with this thing. Uh, and so I... Um, it's, you know, th- this all happened all in, in, in sequence. I then continued to go to these rallies and take my camera and I started producing videos for this group. And, of course, we had the Telegram chat. I'd never used Telegram before, but that became yeah. like the focus of all of our lives. Um, and quite cl- quickly I started to meet um, a couple of people out there like Lindsay Bennett from Freedom Media, Western Australia. Yeah. And uh, a couple of others, and they were people that were on YouTube. And, you know, I showed them some of the things that I was doing, and they started saying to me that, uh, oh, would you like to come and uh, help me out? Um, next thing I know, I've been thrown, <laughs> thrown a job. And the job was, was to jump in a truck with a guy who was leading uh, co- the convoys. Um, there were convoys coming in from all over uh, regional Perth. Yeah. Um, and, and they would come in and circle around the rallies and dip their horns and clog up the streets and yeah. have flags flying off their, off their vehicles. Anyway, there was a guy there that was coming in from the Perth Hills. Uh, he was the leader of this group and he was being badly harassed by the police on a daily basis. Do, and they were doing all kinds of things to him, like um, camping out in front of his, his business or his home, watching him 
trailing him if he was just going down to the shops. You know, it was quite crazy. And then, of course, pulling him up all the time. And so I jumped in the – I got given this job to make a video about this, so I jumped in the truck with him and we had an absolute blast and uh, we were harassed quite quite a lot by the police on this day and we witnessed them doing all sorts of things breaking laws like speeding up to go through traffic lights all things that you're not meant to do the things that you'd get fined for and that just quickly turned into a youtube uh, channel Uh, and then i was just becoming I, i i very very quickly became a really an activist video maker on YouTube yeah. covering all the events and I continued on doing the interviews and the, the thing I started getting a little bit of criticism not in a bad way but uh, people were saying to me oh your your videos are far too long you know you, yeah. you spend too much time on this and too much time on that and that got me thinking and I'd been someone who'd listened to podcasts for quite a while for quite a few years before that and yeah. it was long and it's long format so i started getting this idea in my head that i'd start a podcast and uh, i went ahead and did that and that uh, over the course of a few months really started to become the focus for me because it was where i wanted to be i wanted to i wanted to sit down and have the discussion with people and in the beginning, in those early days, you know, it was like the Wild West. It was so much fun. Um, and, of course, we were out there every day being activists, you know, uh, marching on the health department, the education department, you know, Parliament House here in WA, you, you name it, Channel 7. Yeah. We were doing it all. I was there for engaging all Engaging with people. You're engaging, engaging with people. Yeah. Yes, and pushing back pushing back against the government, really. Now, uh, Andrew, we're talking here the eight news show that you're referring yes. to. You mentioned your YouTube channel, but your main focus now, as I understand it, That's is right. the eight news show. Um, yes. And this is the one where you occasionally uh, also co-host with Dr. Mark Lofts. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. So through the process of doing all these marches on, you know, all, all over Perth, uh, I met Dr. Mark Lofts and he was speaking, he spoke at a few of the rallies and, you know, he was really well informed. Um, One of these guys that's just got like a photographic memory um, and can, you know, recall facts and figures like no one else. Um, So a brilliant candidate, obviously we're very like-minded but a brilliant person to um, team up with if I was to go and start interviewing people that were having medical injuries. Right. Now, his, and, uh, his background is in immunology, I think, isn't it? Is that right? Yes. he, he um, virology? Like, I think actually virology. Yeah. yeah. So um, like many people who specialise in medicine, you know, you go into that field. He went in and spent a couple of years in that and realised that uh, – the whole thing was uh, really corrupt at that stage. This is 25, 30 years ago. Mm. He's, a, he's well and truly retired now. Uh, and so I approached him about this idea that, um, you know, he, he'd actually, I think, already been on my podcast, but I said to him, hey, listen, how about we start doing these, these interviews? And yeah. I believe that that actually all came about because of a story that's um, from Bridgetown, and uh, I, through 
Of course, making these videos and traveling all over Western Australia to make them, um, I got to know all the event or the rally organizers and people yeah. like that. And I got invited to go down to Bunbury and the lady who manages all that down there um, said, listen, I've got these friends in Bridgetown and this guy is, will never work again. He's, he's been, he's become paralyzed. Yeah. Uh, and so we went down and in, did a, did a, an interview with this guy and made some videos about it. And that was me and a couple of other people. And, I then, you know, that I, uh, that was then, uh, I think, the first one that I did. And maybe not, maybe the second one. But just through, it was actually through going south and being in Bunbury and places like that, that um, I started to become aware that there are a lot of people out there that are really badly injured. We already yeah. knew that there were people around, but I, these were the first people that I started to meet. You were sitting down and talking to these people and getting their experiences firsthand. Yes, that's right. And um, I remember we did a few things like, you know, by this stage I was doing, I already had the podcast gear and um, Graham Hood arrived here in Western Australia and I was doing a few things with him. We were down in Bunbury. We ran the podcast and fed it out to some speakers. We had all these people sitting on the grass in front of us, and we had this uh, conversation in the in the on the waterfront in Bunbury. And uh, I met this lady who nearly died, and uh, her story is quite fascinating. Uh, but uh, that she was I remember now that was she was the first one that we did. And Mark Lofts was there. And so we organised together that we would go and speak to this lady in her home. And that was the first one we did. And that's where on that first day I, I learned about how bad is my batch.com and a few other things that turned out to be very, very common. Uh, part, uh, parts of her story uh, I still hear about on a regular basis. I'm still doing these interviews her story, uh, I think no matter where you go in Australia, uh, has um, some incredible links to everyone else's story. And that's the kinds of words that the, the doctors use with you when you present it, with the jab injury. Exactly, yeah. The, we're talking about how language is perverted um, and, uh, mm. you know, to suit, to suit an, another agenda. Uh, that's I could actually mm -hmm. run a show, and we'll look at doing a show on this down the track Just because I it, have yeah. a great uh, fascination with um, with how the elites and the powers that be, you know, uh, basically weaponize language, you know, for their own ends. Uh, and certainly yeah. we've seen a lot of that happening uh, in the last three years. Just getting back Absolutely. to um, your um, your discussions with the. Um, with the various people who've had sort of adverse events. Uh, first of all, I just wanted to emphasise for listeners that um, it is really well worthwhile. I've listened to a couple of these. Going to uh, uh, to Andrew's uh, show, it's on Podbean, or at least the link that I've got here, and you can correct me on this one, Mark, uh, Andrew, right. if you like, is the... Eight News Show, that's eight with the uh, numeral, the Eight News Show, that's ssshow.podbean.com um, or just search it under um, 
under Andrew Hughes, uh, 8 News Show Podbean. Go there and you'll find all of the interviews or at least most of the interviews that you have done that uh, uh, with various people who have had um, uh, adverse reactions to the uh, to the uh, the vaccine or the faux vaccine, as we call it. Yeah. Uh, just on that, Andrew, are you... Are you interested in hearing from other people? Uh, I really am. This is obviously am. going to be an ongoing project and how can people, you know, touch bases with you or connect with you if they want to tell their story? Uh, they can leave comments in the um, uh, the podcast. Just on okay. that, we'll start with that first. I, I do have okay. an email address that I'll, I'll give out in a moment, but uh, the... If, if you are really interested in, in hearing these people's horrific stories, uh, all of them are titled Jab Injured Series Episode or Jab Injured Episode number one, two, three, so on. But there's 12 of them there now and we've got quite a few more coming. Uh, there's no end to the number of people who are seriously injured. Now, I mean, I think most people now know someone who has an injury, uh, most commonly people have just had issues with their heart but it's gone away and they've been able to kind of you know live a fairly normal life um heart palpitations things like that yes but um there is a shocking shocking number of people who have died and who are permanently disabled now yeah uh and the the number just continues to grow at the moment uh i will get into one of the people that i interviewed in a moment but um this lady has turned around and de- dedicated her life to um uncovering the issues around the batching of of the jabs okay and, and that's a, that's a really interesting subject that we can talk about but um, she started her own research project and very quickly, in just three weeks, uh, she ended up with about 1,580 people on her books. And here in Western Australia, uh, the, when I last spoke to her about this, she had uh, 178 people here in Perth. Okay. Right. Who have serious uh, injuries. You've, just getting back again, there was another thing that we uh, we talked about the other day and... Um, was there in your travels? Did you encounter a story of, um, I think it was a medico uh, in one of the uh, the country regions who had committed suicide? Is that yes? And that's linked to this story about Bunbury. So I met um, the guy that I did the sorry Bunbury uh, Bridgetown. The guy yeah. that I did uh, the interview with in Bridgetown, and, and I should say that it was more his wife than himself because his, his injuries were such that he can only talk for like a minute at a time yeah. and then he needs 10 minutes to recover. And this guy, um, you know, drags his right leg behind him. Uh, he had, had a massive uh, sack of fluid built up on his back and uh, that thankfully subsi- subsided. The doctors couldn't find an explanation for that. Um, but he's he's left with a with a um, kind of drooping face on one side, and uh, he, his leg twitches and drags behind him. He was a tiler, and I've seen I saw photos of him just before he had it. Uh, he'd been on a little holiday with his his family. They were at a beach, and I saw all these photos. Of him. Real fit guy, yeah. Um, late late thirties, early forties ish. 
um, prime of life. <clears throat> young children, yeah, young children at high school uh, will never work uh, again. And I mean, he was a tireless, so his entire work working life relied on his physical fitness. Uh, and th- you know, these people though they're, they're they're just regular you know people. They're not um, you know they're not uh, intellectuals or anything like that. But here's to the point that I was talking to you earlier about doing your own research. This guy's wife uh, got right into it. And when I first met her and we did the video about them for the YouTube channel, uh, she, um, I then got back together with them later, about, I think about six weeks later, and the miraculous change in this woman. She had just all of a sudden, she knew all the terminology, not all of a sudden, she dedicated a hardcore six weeks or more to, to, to figuring this all out. And, of course, she was already well into it when I first met them. Yeah. But, um, you know, she was shell-shocked, uh, as you would be, you know. The family was shell-shocked. The, the, um, the youngest daughter in the family was uh, having serious issues dealing with what had happened to her, her father. Oh, okay. um, and, you know... When we finally sat down to do the podcast, uh, he, uh, his wife was just amazing, absolutely amazing. Uh, so that story, it, yeah. So that that's in those people. Their their uh, GP, their local GP, had uh, I believe it was two people had died from the jab, and there were quite a few injuries there. And he'd recommended to them and urged them all to go and take this thing. Uh, and he ended We've up committing to, suicide. Yeah. yeah, We've got to go to a break, Andrew. We'll come back okay. to that uh, shortly after the break. You listen to the No Fly Zone. I have with me Andrew Hughes. We are talking about the jab injured. We'll be back shortly. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malsberg. Previously, I told you about how the National Hockey League is going woke. I pointed to an ad that they put out urging interested parties to attend a gathering in Florida during the recent All-Star Weekend, the Pathway to Hockey Summit. But white people were left out of those who were welcome to attend. And when it was pointed out to them by the governor of Florida, the league said it was a mistake. Then, of course, a player on the Flyers caught hell for not participating in a pregame skate with rainbow jerseys and ribbons on their sticks to promote the LGBT agenda. But it gets worse. The AP says that back in 2017, the league hired Kim Davis, an executive vice president of social impact growth and legislative affairs, to lead a diversity and inclusion campaign. Inclusion? Only 25% of the players are American-born. But the league says more than 90% of the league's players and nearly half of all its coaches and officials are white. So what? In the NBA, nearly three-quarters of the players are black. Only 16% are white, according to Wikipedia. Where's the inclusion effort to even out that disparity? (laughs) Don't make me laugh. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malsberg for TNT Radio. You took the first step and quit smoking. But even former smokers may still be at risk for lung cancer. That's why SaveByTheScan.org wants you to know about a new low-dose CT scan that can detect lung cancer early. It takes only 60 seconds and could save your life. You took the first step, now take the next. Visit SaveByTheScan.org for a simple quiz to see if you're eligible and talk to your doctor about screening. SaveByTheScan.org is brought to you by the American Lung Association's Lung Force Initiative and the Ad Council. 
You're listening to the No Fly Zone with Greg Maybury on today's News Talk Radio TNT. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to the No Fly Zone. I have with me today Andrew Hughes. Andrew's been doing a lot of work recording the experiences of people who have um, endured adverse events uh, or that's what the big pharma people uh, define as uh, toxic side effects of their products. Um, Andrew's been doing some amazing work in getting people's stories, uh, those that have actually been affected by the jab and those whose family members or friends have been affected by the jab. Andrew, just before we went to the break, we, you mentioned that um, uh, that you'd come across uh, uh, some of the people that you'd interviewed uh, that their doctor had subsequently um, uh, committed suicide when he realised uh, what was happening. Uh, yes. What, what can you tell us about that situation? Obviously, without mentioning any names, but I, um, I suspect that he is probably not the only doctor that, uh, that having realised belatedly, of course, uh, what they've got themselves mixed up in, uh, yeah. have have come to grief. Maybe they haven't committed suicide, but there's probably other things happening in their lives as well. Can you tell us a little bit more about this situation as far as you know? Not, not a whole lot more about that. Um, I know that um, in this, this area that it was a very well-known and widely known story, being such a small area. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, you know, I also what I can also say to you is that I met one of the people who, or the the the, the girlfriend slash partner of a guy who had who died as well, and she was very traumatized uh, by it. Well, now these are people obviously that well, maybe not all of them, but presumably. Quite a lot of these people got on board with it all in the first place, but later yep. on they've come to realise, um, you know, uh, that, you know, the jabs were not safe and, of course, they're not very effective either. Um, well, they're not effective was, at all. Yeah, Exactly. Um, and what sort of um, – can you give us a bit of an idea of, uh, of the, the sort of um, – I guess, how would you call it, the, the mindset of these people when they discovered that, you know, that they had placed a lot of trust in what their doctors had said, uh, but ultimately came to realise that uh, they had yeah. made a big mistake. What, that must yeah. have been very traumatising for a lot of people. Well, I mean, this is the thing, right? Um, most people who were going to have a reaction to it, they had it on their first dose. And many people uh, also had it and had no real necessarily um, no, uh, no real reaction other than feeling ill. I mean, a lot of the people um, say that they they really felt really really off after it. Yeah. But um, I know from speaking to these people that um, they feared for their lives just because of the experience with the racing heart and mm. this impending feeling that there's something super wrong here. And um, for example, the, the lady who I first interviewed with this, uh, who had this issue, uh, she, she realized within a couple of hours, she felt really, really drained and, and, um, 
that she definitely had a reaction from it within the first few hours. Yeah. But it was further into the evening that she realised something was deeply wrong. And this is something that I've only just discovered uh, in the last Jab Injured episode that I only put up yesterday. Uh, A lot of the times these things actually come on or the issues start to arise when your body's relaxing. Now, we do hear about a lot of people just dropping dead from heart attack on the sports field or or wherever, and that's a real thing. Um, Anyone who thinks that's, uh, uh, you know, all made up, it's not. That's a real, real thing. Um, But also, uh, the the other thing that I I found really interesting was that often if you think that um, often these people are having a heart attack, are actually experiencing an issue in their gut before they notice the issue with their heart. It's like um, everyone will know the old story about having um, cramps and pains in your arm prior to having a heart attack. It's Uh, a well-known thing. But uh, in in this case, the problem starts with your stomach first. Anyway, this lady, the first one that I interviewed, uh, she had had an issue around three o'clock in the morning where she realized that there's something deeply wrong and uh, she was she got up um, I think I believe her yes her husband was also a mining worker so he wasn't at home by 6 a.m the next morning she was on the phone to one of her dear friends uh, who came around picked her up and took her to the hospital yeah. And that's when things escalated really, really quickly. And she, uh, I mean, she, she had tears rolling down her cheeks when she was telling me the story that uh, she was sitting in the hospital. The kids were old enough to be left at home at that stage. And she was frightened that she was never going to see her children again. Yeah. She, she completely uh, believed that she was going to die there in the hospital. You know, that's an interesting uh, description Um I haven't had the vax, and obviously I haven't had an adverse reaction to it, but I reckon, mm. recall over 25 years ago, Andrew, I had an anxiety attack, a very serious, very sudden anxiety attack. It was the mm-hmm. first and the only time that anything like that had happened to me, and fortunately yeah. it's never happened again. But on that particular night, I felt so, uh, you know, so out of it and so... Uh, out of step with with reality, I I literally thought I was going to die, and yeah. I wasn't. I didn't actually realise I was having an anxiety attack until later on, but it just came out of nowhere. The reason yeah. I bring that up is because in trying to imagine what people go through when they do have an adverse event of the kind that you've just described with this lady that you've just interviewed, I can imagine that it's probably something like that. And I can still remember this night 25 years ago like it happened yesterday. Such was the traumatic experience. And this lasted for about three hours. So, I mean, in that way I can kind of empathise is the right word. I can certainly come, you know, a little bit close to understanding what people go through and I wouldn't wish that kind of an experience on my worst enemy. So, Well, that's right, uh, Greg. And, I mean, the other thing is is that then these people uh, arrive at the hospital and they're faced with this, um, how should I put it, this uh, 
the shocking reality of the mindset that our medical professionals have now. Uh, And uh, being there knowing that the only thing that's gone that's 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 different in their lives is that the day before or the hours before they had this injection and their bodies reacted so badly to it that they think they're going to die it's not yeah. just a sore arm it's not just like a you know We've heard the stories in the past of people that have had a vaccine and felt really tired and just had to go lie down for the afternoon, but then they were fine and had a sore arm, all that sort of thing. This is a very, very, very different situation. And they get to the hospital and they're told things like, look, there's nothing to worry about. You're having a perfectly normal (laughs) adverse reaction. Yeah. And... uh, and that, that, that means that it's working. I mean, the Orwellian double think Absolutely. or double speak is yeah. just uh, slapping you in the face at that point. And uh, this, going back to this first lady, lady that I'd interviewed, she remembers she, that, that those exact words were said to her. And I can tell you for a fact that many of the people that I've either interviewed or spoken to about this have had that very same thing said to them. By the uh, doctors, perfectly perfectly normal uh, adverse, adverse reaction. reaction. Yeah. And that means yeah. that it's working. Uh, and yeah. this lady had said to me that um, here she is thinking she's going to die. She's there with a friend. Uh, the doctors walked away or the nurses walked away. And she said... Um, to a friend, do you think they're lying to us? I'm trying to think, I'm trying to remember the exact words, but um, I think they're lying to us. And they both agreed that, yes, there was something going on there. We wouldn't declare it a classic example or a textbook example of the bedside manner now, of course, would we? Well, no. Um, And, um, I mean, you were talking about having an anxiety attack. Um, Very, this is extremely common. Uh, This is the sort of conversation that you'll have. You go in then, again, knowing that the only thing different in your life is that you've had this injection and you go in um, seeking help from the medical staff and they're telling you, don't be silly, you're just having an anxiety attack. Take some Panadol and go home. Yeah. And in so many of these cases, I mean, far too many to be acceptable, uh, the people go home and they die. I mean, as you you know, Andrew, I don't know if you've read it or not, but I wrote last year a very detailed critique of the medical profession and the medical establishment uh, at large, their response to the whole COVID thing, and I didn't spare... Uh, I didn't spare the horses on this. So this particular situation came about because I had an old friend who was, um, you know, a specialist, very accomplished doctor. Um, You know, he's basically cut off all contact with me since Mm. COVID hit. Uh, I've got, um, you know, a nephew uh, who is very accomplished and very uh, professional uh, nurse. He's a uh, an emergency uh, a person who works in the emergency um, mm, uh, area, exactly. Mm-hmm. And um, you know they've uh, they've bought completely into the COVID narrative. You know. Yeah. And, well, let, um, let's talk about that for a moment, Greg, because this is really interesting. And you mentioned uh, earlier that I'd done um, an interview with a young doctor, uh, in fact, down in Albany who lost his job. And 
I just want to say for everyone that interview, uh, it is up there. I, I was so embarrassed uh, by my performance in that one that uh, I didn't post it, and then eventually I was told that I had to, and uh, so I just did. Before you, and, before, yeah. before you go on, Andrew, just might be a good idea. We're getting close to the time, but a good idea to remind listeners now again. You're talking about your podcast. Let's give them a reminder again of where they can go to get these interviews. Sure, sure. Um, these it, podcasts, it, yeah. Any good podcasting app, it's on. It's on Apple Podcasts. Um, I'm not on Spotify. Uh, there's a little bit of a reason for that. I actually do video podcasts, uh, yeah. and I'm in that process of you know we're always learning. I'm uh, as you mentioned, I'm a fly and flight mining worker. Uh, all of the the stuff that's happened here happened extremely uh, organically. I'd, if you'd asked me months or even six months before all this happened and you'd told me that I'd be doing these things, I would have said, you're joking, because it's not it's not me at all. But, uh, you, you know, the go- I always say to people, the government activated me. So yep. thank you, Mark McGowan. I appreciate yeah. that. You've changed my life for the better. Uh, but um, so we're on all of the, the podcasting apps. It's hosted by Podbean. And if you Podbean, have the Podbean. Yes, the one that yeah. I've got. Yep. Yeah, so the Podbean. Eight and News you, Show. The 8 News the, Show. It's a red eight, logo. The, T-H-E, 8 is the numeral. The 8 yep. News Show. show. That's newsandshow.podbean.com. Uh, Andrew Hughes, again, people can do a bit of a search. I just wanted to get that in there, Andrew, before we do run yeah, out Yeah, I appreciate time, that. Get back to the um, – the situation with the medical profession, you were going to make a few comments yeah, and, about uh, interview, you interviewed a doctor? Yeah, and this is the thing that I really want to get out uh, for people to understand. Uh, you were talking about your nephew, I think it was, that's the nurse and the doctor yeah. you know, and these people are just totally against you. Well, uh, in the interview with this um, guy down in Albany, we, we learnt a very interesting fact. Uh, all of these young doctors and people working in emergency wards and hospitals, of course, they get in there and they uh, they work their asses off, pardon they my do. French, yeah. but they, they work really hard and they don't have time to actually do their own research. So there's this wonderful website um, that's run by a, a publishing house called Walter's Kluwer. I think that's the right way to pronounce it. But the website's called Up To Date. Uh, and of yes. course... It just, I mean, if you're in doubt that this entire thing, this scamdemic was a planned event, then let me tell you all about this. So up to date has, uh, it's a website and a communication portal for doctors that we're, and, and medical professionals where they can go on there and they can read uh, summaries of research that's been done. Yeah. And... Here's the kicker, the, the, the author of those articles is anonymous. Uh, so, and, they're, and they're, of course, in, you know, I've got my fingers up going quotation marks, yeah. uh, professionals. So just like yeah. um, in, here in every- Anonymous and, and professionals. Anonymous professionals and clearly paid, obviously, but- uh, just like um, here in Western Australia, our Premier Mark McGowan is up on the TV saying the, uh, the experts and the data 
uh, say that this, this and this, but never citing who the expert is and never showing us the data, the doctors are presented with this um, reliable information source and the same things being done to them and they're buying it. They, they make the presumption that this is all correct. And, yes. um, you know, that's a very dangerous assumption for, for any professional to make. Very um, dangerous. Mark, Andrew, we've got to um, uh, finish up very shortly. Um, yeah. I am. I really want to thank you for your contribution, not only just to the show today, but also what you are doing with these people and giving them a voice. And um, you and I will hopefully, because we live in the same territory, look at possibly... Uh, collaborating on a couple of projects down the track. So we have to finish up. Uh, Andrew Hughes, uh, please go to his website, uh, The 8 News Show, and check out some of his interviews.